Hello, and welcome back to Luxi, a podcast to reignite your wonder by exploring the science behind luxury items. So we're a little late with getting this episode out due to some travel that went a bit awry, as most travel is doing these days. But the silver lining on that is our podcast is now timed for around the July 4th holiday, and we can delve into the explosive world of fireworks. Now, I know that there are many that don't feel like fetting our country's founding this year, but fireworks are also used for all sorts of occasions, so pick one you like. Dumos, is there something you've always wondered about fireworks? For me, I was always interested in how fireworks worked, whether it was the geometric shapes that you see in the sky with really nice professional fireworks, or how they get some of the neat colors. I had learned a little bit about how to use colors in glass making, but I'd never done anything with fireworks or researched it. So it was very exciting to learn about that. Yeah, so I always wondered how you can sort of pack a firework to get all the different colors and effects and things like that. I think my fondest memory of fireworks is we used to go to Maine every summer and we'd stop at the New Hampshire border because they have fewer restrictions there for fireworks and stock up. And we'd take them down to the lake that we were staying at and set them off. And my brother and my cousin would make a big show and arrange and time them. And we'd call it their pyrotechnic extravaganza. And it was so fun just to have that little moment. For me, fireworks was experiencing them on the beaches after dark on the North Carolina and South Carolina coast, where you have huge swaths of sand between the hotels and the water. You can go out for these lovely evening walks and just about every 150 or 200 feet, someone's setting off a Roman candle or bottle rockets or whatever they found at the local fireworks stores, especially South Carolina. (laughs) Yeah, there's a big one right on the border, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right before you get in. Yeah, so you can sort of stock up before you drive into North Carolina, where the fireworks pickings are much slimmer. Mm. All right, so Dumos, you're going to start us off this episode with some, some background. The Chinese and their development of saltpeter, which is potassium nitrate. Fire, of course, needs fuel, heat, and oxygen. And the key to that is potassium nitrate. It contains one nitrogen atom, one potassium atom, and three oxygen atoms. This internal oxygen is perfect because it provides a combustion process. The oxygen donor is built in to the molecule. Well, isn't that handy? It is handy because what you have is an oxidizer. And if you're launching rockets... Wait, I have a definition for an oxidizer. Oh, cool. So... It's a substance that gains or receives an electron from a reducer, i.e. one that undergoes a chemical reaction where it gains one or more electrons. Yes. And I think it's important to note that when we talk about these chemical reactions, there is an energy associated with them as well. Because it's not like you just kind of, it's not like a sticky, you don't like to stick the electron. (laughs) No, it moves quite violently in that direction. There's uh, an energy that's associated with these redox reactions. Yes, and what is also interesting is how, how fast those reactions can be in the case of iron turning to rust, not so exciting. But <laughs> when potassium and nitrogen combine with the internal oxidizer, you can create a pretty great amount of energy. However, it's not quite enough. In order to do it right, you also have to combine charcoal and sulfur. We need a reducer. We need something to give it an electron. 
Yes. When you add charcoal and sulfur, you get gunpowder. Gunpowder on its own doesn't necessarily need to be used just for explosions. Mm -hmm. It can be used as a Chinese medicine to help alleviate skin problems. Oh, so, is that why people have all those charcoal masks now? Indeed. It seems uh, a little dangerous, though, to be going and putting gunpowder on your face. Indeed. Saltpeter created a preservative effect. For example, uh, we use it in salami, uh, potassium nitrate. And in fact, you see nitrates used in bacon and mm-hmm. other items. So yeah. we do eat, we eat a little bit of gunpowder every day. <laughs> uh, building fireworks was something that happened very quickly in China especially with the creation of gunpowder. And so paper was very important in early fireworks, but it was very expensive because Mm. it was hard to make paper. Mm -hmm. So bamboo and bamboo paper was developed to create fireworks in China as a way to do it inexpensively. Mm -hmm. And it just also happened that the bamboo was a neat way to direct the explosion of the firework Mm -hmm. and turn it into something like a rocket. Pellets of metal salts were then packed in, and I think a lot of it really had to do with the creation or the addition of chunks of iron or chunks of other materials. A lot of this really lends itself to experimentation, but when metal salts were placed in with the gunpowder, there was an enormous variety in the sparks that were generated. So it didn't take long before calcium, sodium, and other metals, even a little bit of copper, mm-hmm. were shown to create quite striking and uh, fascinating color combinations, even in the early days. Which came first, then? Explosive use of gunpowder for weapons, or the creative use of gunpowder for fireworks? That's a good question. I don't have the answer to that. I think as an explosive use, yes, I would imagine the first experiments with gunpowder very much started out as small explosions on the lab bench, if you could call it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they had a lab thing. bench. <laughs> yes, but the, 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 the table yeah. of some sort. Yeah. Over time, yes, I think the opportunities to use it in war, which is where most innovation seems to be sparked from, then yes, it would have been, I imagine, something that would have initially be considered a warrior tool. Now, typical fireworks consist of black powder and stars in a tight paper tube. And there's a fuse that lights the powder naturally, and that powder creates the thrust, if you will, like in a rocket engine. Inside that firework, balls located around the black powder are arranged in a way to create a geometric shape. This initially was just a sphere of light that would explode outwards from the firework. The simple star would be something like a sparkler. Hmm. And for example, the earliest versions of these were just aluminum, antimony, and iron were mixed in with the black powder. Altogether created a blooming light source, like say a, a large sphere that would explode uniformly in the air. But over time, and in fact it was the 1990s, were the first demonstration at the Washington Monument uh, for the DC fireworks show where actual geometric shapes like smiley faces and oh, really? flags and such were demonstrated in a commercial fireworks show. Oh really? That late? So, I mean it's yeah. interesting you think about all the centuries that fireworks have been around because it's been a long time all the way to the 1990s to get a smiley face. Yeah it took that long. For a smiley <laughs> face. There was certainly a lot of innovation going into 
how fire works reach the stage of creating smart smiley faces mm-hmm. because a lot of it also had to do with picking the right types of colors picking the right size of balls to mm-hmm. create the right delay time or the or the uh, fuse time so that you could coordinate and choreograph the burning and the redox reactions right. so that everything worked in the proper timing mm-hmm. from when you lit the fuse to when the fireworks go out right Cool. So what what about the colors? How do you get the different colors? Strontium carbonate or lithium can be used to make red color. Mm -hmm. And calcium chloride can be used to create an orange color. And I'm just going down the rainbow here. (laughs) Yellow is created using sodium uh, or sodium chloride salt. Mm -hmm. Barium in green. I have an interesting fact about barium later. And also copper chloride and copper in general creates the blue colors. Mm-hmm. Chloride in all of these elements, creating the salt, uh, provides a depth of color that is not just a bright spot of light, but that you see this deep, thick hue of color in the okay, dark gotcha. night sky. Um, and then for any other colors, really at this point, you can mix copper and strontium and create, let's say, a violet mm-hmm. or, or even any other color. And of course, white, very important. In fireworks displays, titanium or zirconium or magnesium salts can be used to create a white color. Okay. But then we go one step further. If we want sparklers, and Mm -hmm. sparklers like the hand sparklers Mm -hmm. are aluminum. I love those. You know those old school silver sparklers that you got with a kid and you would draw them in the air and your name and stuff like that? It's a lot of fun. I love a sparkler. And, and they with, did have that smell. It kind of smelled like a can, like a tin can. Yeah. <laughs> Not tin yeah. Or soda an aluminum can. can. Yeah. yeah. So essentially you're, you're oxidizing aluminum. Uh, glit- antimony mm-hmm. creates a glitter. Ooh, so you know you I like use, glitter. Yeah. Well, well, antimony there. And then iron for true sparks. Oh, okay. Just straight on sparks. You can have an iron coated rod of, of, of say, mm-hmm. same material. And then uh, if you want smoke effects, you mm-hmm. can add zinc. Oh. Now, we don't think about how important smoke is in fireworks, but people like to see some smoke, too, and so you add zinc. Unless it's not a windy day, and then all the smoke just hangs there and obscures the fireworks. Agreed. Because <laughs> I've seen that happen. Well, as far as shapes, creating the shapes is about putting on a piece of cardboard suspended in the middle of your, of your gunpowder charge. Right. The shape that you want. So you essentially glue the balls onto a piece of cardboard. Mm-hmm. And then the uniformity of the sphere of gunpowder that mm-hmm. blows the shape out blows every ball in a direction away from the center of the charge. And if all the balls are exactly the same mass, they all move away from the center of the charge at the same speed. Oh. So you can make a smiley face on a small piece of cardboard. And then blow it up essentially. Aligned, yes, with a with the center of the charge in the middle of the smiley face. Mm. And then the smiley face gets distributed uniformly. So it's essentially like you're zooming in on the smiley face as you're looking at it. And this information came from HowStuffWorks.com. So. Yeah, they do, they do a good article on things. So I did a little bit of digging. You know, pyrotechnics are not just for fireworks, right? They're used in flare guns airbags, even matches is actually a form of pyrotechnic. Yeah, and airbags made a big a big statement about that. I remember because we had that huge Takata airbag recall, yes. which is about everyone's airbag, uh, was recalled because metal pieces of metal would end up being part of the pyrotechnic initiator yeah. 
and potentially um, shrapnel. shrapnel. Yeah. So pyrotechnics are oxidizers, a reducing agent in fuel. So that's basically just two things. And as we said, an oxidizer is a substance that gains an electron. So a reducer or reducing agent is the substance that donates an electron. And that's coupled in what's called a redox reaction, and it's the chemical reaction in which oxidation and reduction takes place. And these are very important biological and geological and other reactions. So redox reactions are really prevalent all over science. You know, in biology, cellular respiration is the oxidation of glucose and and reduction of oxygen to water. Geology, minerals are oxidized derivatives of metals. And so if you want to get the metal out of the mineral, you have to do reduction. So pyrotechnics can also include binders, propellants, colors, smokes, all of things that you have talked about. And so for these pyrotechnics to work, you obviously have to mix the ingredients, right? And the manufacturing common practice has been to tumble dry powders together or to mix a slurry of wet components with horizontal and vertical blades. However, this is not the best way to mix things. It doesn't actually give you the most homogeneous mixture. And then you also get a lot of batch to batch variation doing it this way. So in 2015, a research team, Blair et al, published the results in chemical communications, and they proposed using a crystal lattice to stabilize the mixture and produce one with the requisite ratios and minimal batch-to-batch variability. Mm. And this was done by using a metal organic framework, and these are compounds of metal ions that are coordinated to organic ligands to form various structures. And the team used these frameworks containing fuel and oxidizing agents to produce the desired effects. Hmm. So basically a better way to mix your pyrotechnics. So you may be less likely to get a dud of a firework. Oh, wow. So for example, with this, I mean, I'm thinking like a sponge or some sort of Yeah, it kind of ends up being like that. Yeah. So, you know, a lattice is a very organized arrangement in nature. So it's the same way you're you're providing that organization. That way you can sort of ensure the correct ratio of components. But then there's some bad news about fireworks. Uh Uh-oh. So in a 2020 study published in Particle and Fiber Toxicology and authored by Christine Hickey et al., emissions from 10 different fireworks displays were collected and tested in vivo and in mice. Reactive oxygen species were produced in response to the particulates both in the human airway cells and the bronchial epithelial airway in mice. And reactive reactive oxygen species are byproducts of oxygen metabolism and are important in cell signaling and homeostasis. They can also cause irreversible damage to DNA. It seems that the emissions from fireworks, which are organic compounds and metals, may be contributing to the particulate pollution in the air and could have detrimental impacts to human and animal health. I will say that this particular study did not have a lot of replicates in the research and only eight mice were used, so more work is needed to verify this finding, but there were numerous other publications that talked about particulate pollution from fireworks. Interestingly, this gets back to barium, which makes green, right? Yeah. Uh, There have been the cases of acute barium toxicity from individuals ingesting fireworks. Mm. So a case study published in Indian Pediatrics in 2012 highlighted a case of a teenage boy who presented with gastroenteritis, pain in the abdomen, difficulty breathing, and generalized weakness. The cause was severe hypokalemia, which is due to redistribution of potassium in the body. So hypokalemia is a low level of potassium in the blood. It increases the risk of abnormal heart rhythm and can lead to cardiac arrest. 
Wow, so was that from excessive potassium? No, the barium somehow kind of messed up your the potassium uh, concentrations in the blood. A lot of barium in a firework, apparently. As we all know, toxicity is all about dosage. Yes. So if you're downstream from a fireworks display, maybe a good idea to move upwind. No, just don't eat the firework. Okay, don't eat the firework. Yeah. (laughs) And as a reminder, fireworks can be extremely dangerous. 15,600 people ended up in the ER in 2020 for fireworks-related injuries, and that comes from the Consumer Product Safety Commission. So please use caution and have plenty of water around to extinguish errant fireworks if you're planning on using some this summer. So are you ready for our glossary? Okay, so an oxidizer is any substance that gains an electron. A reducing agent is any substance that gives an electron. And the redox reaction is the chemical reaction where oxidation and reduction occurs. Reactive oxygen species are forms of metabolized oxygen, and hypokalemia is a low level of potassium in the blood. And I think my favorite fun fact from this episode is probably colors. Yes, the colors are always beautiful. Do you have a fun fact from the episode? I think my fun fact was that saltpeter is used to preserve salami. That is a good fun fact. I love salami. So you could draw a link between fireworks and salami. Yes, or pepperoni. Or pepperoni. Well, there you go. Well, you've done it. You've spent another 20 plus minutes with Dr. Demos and I and the awe-inducing subject of fireworks. We hope you remember a little cocktail party fact about them the next time you get to ooh and ah at a fireworks display. Please excuse my sniffles. Apparently I've come down with an attack of allergies right when we were recording. As did I. Which you might say is a little late, but here in the Pacific Northwest, it is not quite yet fully summer. It is only summer after July 4th. (laughs) Very special thank you to my co-host and audio engineer, Demos. Our theme music is Harlequin Moon by Birdie. If you like us, please, please, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find us all over social media at LuxiPod, and our website is luxi.podcastpage.io. Please take a minute to share us with the person sitting next to you at your next fireworks display. And, you know, here at Luxi, we are a proponent of all things research and science. We're very disheartened to hear about the recent Supreme Court decision, both around Roe v. Wade and the restricting of the EPA and the Clean Air Act. If you would like to do something about it, we encourage you to go online, research local organizations such as Planned Parenthood and others that are doing the work uh, to try to ensure that everybody has equal access to life-saving health care. And science. And science. And clean air. All right. Thank you very much for okay. listening. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye.